the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, in Acts 21, as we've seen in several parts of the book of Acts, there is an outcry against the Apostle Paul and the preaching of the gospel. Well, welcome to the program. Alex McFarland here. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. And this is a special edition of Exploring the Word because we're going to take questions for much of the program. And I'm going to give the number for your Bible questions. We've got two really good Bible questions that have already come in online, but that number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, your calls and Bible questions. Well, here is uh, uh, some updates for our camps. As I sit down to the microphone, I've just gotten in from a flight. I flew in from Iowa where we have complete, or well, we're almost wrapping up our fifth of seven summer worldview Christian camps for teenagers this year. And uh, if you've been listening this week, you know I've been at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, the 102nd uh, gathering of the Cedar Falls Bible Conference in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's just amazing. Hundreds of people from all over that region and even some people from pretty far away, like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, hundreds of miles away, Ohio, and what a joy. Uh, it was my honor to speak for the grown-ups, but also to join with uh, Dave Glander, Carl Kirby, some people that you've met before, and we've been talking to the kids about biblical worldview. Now, I'm going to get into Acts, I'm going to get to your Bible questions, but I want you to hear a voice of somebody that much like myself, has committed his adult life to imparting the gospel to young people. It's Dave Glander. Dave is a longtime colleague and friend, and really the, the main driver behind these summer biblical worldview camps for teens. Dave, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And you, you are still at the camp in Iowa, aren't you? I am. We're on, uh, what's today? Wednesday? Wednesday. <laughs> You do these losing track of time. And you just you just kind of you just kind of keep going, and you don't worry about what day it is. I think it's Wednesday, so we've got a uh, we've got through Saturday here, and then I fly out Saturday, get home around 11 p.m. at my house, get a chance to fall asleep in my bed and wake up and head the road to North Carolina camp at 8:30 in the morning. So I don't even get a whole 12 hours at home, but it's worth every cent. Well, and it was a blessing. Your wife was with you this week there in Iowa. And folks, if you've been yeah. following, we've, we've done Georgia. Uh, I myself did a camp in Colorado. We did Indiana. We've done South Carolina, Iowa. Next week, we're going to be in my own home state of North Carolina, then New Jersey. And uh, Dave, you know what thrilled my heart? I mean, we're, we're sharing the gospel with these kids, how to be saved. Put your faith in Jesus, who gave his life on the cross. You and I both, we talk a lot about the resurrection, how Jesus' resurrection proves that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. But um, this week, I saw some kids, I'm thinking of about 10 or 12 names of kids that were there last year, and they were there this year. And, and I said, wow, you know, I remember you from last year. And they said, oh, yes, we wouldn't have missed it for the world. And I said, are you going to be back next summer? And they said, absolutely. Here's my point, Dave Glander. 
Uh, these kids, they're hungry for truth. And when we lay it out there, whether it's the gospel or how to defend the Christian faith, biblical worldview, and yes, biblical worldview about gender and morals, truth that they're certainly not hearing in the current media. I mean, these kids are hungry for what God says and for what reality is, aren't they? I, I love when um, Sophie came on your show yesterday. She's 16 years old, and um, you asked her point blank, said, Sophie, are, these, are your generation hungry? Is your generation hungry for the truth, the biblical worldview? And she said, absolutely. And so it's different when you and I say it because, you know, we see that. I, every time I'm out and about doing these things, I see the hunger. But to hear a 16-year-old girl say, yes, my friends, my, my, my peers, they're starving for truth. They're starving for hope, and they're starving for answers. They're stuck. It, it, it's not just that, that Alex, that they're looking for it. They're literally starving for it. And so I, I appreciate you and the amount of effort that, that you put forth in joining with us at Reasons for Hope to, to reach this generation because, man, they're – and listen, I have a lot of hope. It, you Being here in, in uh, Iowa – with this particular group of kids, you know, the first year I came out here was three years ago, and I came out here, you know, to do the to do the milk and honey to start and find, kind of figure out where they're at. I quickly asserted that man, these kids are beyond the milk and honey. And, and let me just say, part of the reason for that is because these kids have gone to this campground with their parents or their grandparents for years that these adults have sowed into them, and you can tell that there has been a sowing into these kids to the point where we've got the little Susan, who's 13 years old, who is as sharp as, oh, get out. I cannot wait to see what the Lord does with her. But there are dozens in that room, Alex, that are oh, yeah. sharp, that they get it. They're hungry, and they're able to to actually, you know, tell you the answer you're looking for, which, as you know, is isn't that's not exactly the norm. Listen, this week in the, the lectures I was giving, I talked a little bit about creation versus evolution, talked some about the preservation of the Bible manuscripts, so we're, we're establishing that the Bible is the, the Word of God. But I talked a lot about the existence of God, how God is eternal, and nobody created God, but of course God created all things. And Dave, I'm going to tell you something. I was giving the very same level of content that I would give graduate students when I teach at universities, and these these students were eating it up. Like you mentioned, Susan, a, a little 13-year-old girl, brilliant, oh my goodness, brilliant. Uh, Allie, um, uh, Ava, yeah. and there were a couple of kids named Alex. And Now, now listen to yeah. this, folks, because what I want to encourage is that you in your churches, wherever you are in America, maybe you're in, in a big church, maybe you are in a small church, and you don't even have any volunteers to help you, and maybe there's two children in Sunday school. Uh, I, I'm suggesting, in fact, I'm just about begging that some of the adults would uh, teach on creation versus evolution. And there's so many great resources out there. Teach that the Bible is indeed the Word of God. Teach that Jesus is the one and only Savior. The basics of apologetics. Um, I've written a lot of books. Dave, you've written a book. There are so many resources, uh, reasons for hope. Our valued friend Carl Kirby, uh, Answers in Genesis. Um, Dave, there, there's just a lot of resources that are... I mean, frankly, free resources online, 
But adult leaders, you've got to do it. Build biblical worldview into the hearts and lives of these young people, and I promise you they will rise up and receive it, and they get confident in their walk and their witness. We're seeing this in camps all over the country, but uh, we want it to happen in your neighborhood, friends, because, Dave, we've got to do this. We've got to pass the faith on to the next generation. You know, Alex, I think the biggest mistake that we make when it comes to youth ministry is thinking that they can't be taught at the level that you're teaching at and that I'm teaching at. You know, they they they, they want to have pizza parties and games and, and then a 10-minute message. And I'm like, dude, that's not working. That hasn't worked for generations, and it's not working now. It's never going to work. These kids need to be taught the facts behind their Christian worldview and they're able to be taught those facts. They're they're not stupid. They're not. As a matter of fact, this generation they can play on a on an iPhone at the same time as a computer game while writing a, a book for their for their schoolwork, chatting with three friends on three different social media things at the same time as watching a movie on TV. I mean, these kids are so stimulated that if we try and um, undersell the stimulation that comes from Christian faith, which means studying out the Bible, studying out Jesus, studying out God, studying out the worldview. If we if we don't sell them, and I hate the word sell, but we're, 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 we're in a sense selling them on this as much as the world is selling them an alternative worldview, then we're really doing them a disservice because they can handle it. They can handle it all day long. They, they really can. Dave, um, have you ever heard the Winston Churchill quote about the, the Bible? And uh, now, folks, Churchill died in like 1965, so this is going way, way, way back. And even because, you know, there's really like nothing new under the sun. And the idea that you've got to water down church and dumb it down and things like that, even in the early 60s, Winston Churchill, prime minister of Great Britain, one of the great heroes of the 20th century, and, you know, frankly, we are not, you know, um, minions and slaves to Hirohito and Hitler, thanks to the courage of Winston Churchill. But somebody asked Churchill, even before he died, about um, young people would never read the Bible uh, because it's too complex. And this was 60 years ago. And Churchill said this. He asked this question of a reporter. He said, must everything be pre-digested? Must everything be reduced to pablum? We're living in the age of outer space and splitting the atom. I refuse to believe that a student can't experience the truth and grandeur of the King James Bible. That was Winston Churchill. Amen. In, in other words, the years ago. It, yeah, that was six years ago. Look, we're living in the age of you know outer space and uh, nuclear fission. And so kids are educated. They can read the Word of God. And, and Dave, to your point, you're right. I mean, kids today, uh, listen, if you need help with your computer, find a middle schooler, you know? Because, <laughs> and so, hey, folks, by the way, we're going to take calls in a moment. The number is 888-589-8840. I've got a couple of blockbuster questions that have come in. But, Dave, we've got two camps coming up, you and I, and Reasons for Hope. Uh, Truth for a New Generation, we've got North Carolina and New Jersey, and believe it or not, folks, I know it's late in the summer, I realize that, there is still time for your teens to come to Biblical Worldview Camp and learn how to stand strong. Yep. What's the website, Dave? 
So go to rforh.com. It's just short for Reasons for Hope. And uh, you can click on events, and it'll take you right to all the events that we're doing. And Equip is right there, rforh.com. And Equip Retreat. That website is yeah, up, right? And, and, they're in the, and the North Carolina camp is um, next week from uh, the 6th to the 11th, and the uh, New Jersey camp is the uh, 21st through the 25th. So, And, yes, we still have – we don't have a lot of room, but we still have enough room that if, if you want to get your students there, it is a game changer. It's, um, I, I, Alex, you know it's hard to put words on what we see happen at these camps and afterwards, the follow-up yeah. that we get. It's, 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 hard to, it's hard to put words on it. Well, um, Dave, can you hang on to another segment? Sure. Sure. Folks, we got a very special edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane here along with Dave Glander. We're talking about truth. We're going to questions, so stay tuned. We're back after this. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper is traveling. Jim Stanley's traveling. But I'm here, and uh, we're taking calls, and I'm on the phone with just a beloved colleague and friend, Dave Glander. We're doing camps all summer long. And Dave, I got to tell you, uh, you know, just um, I suppose it was a week before last, we were in South Carolina, right? <laughs> like I said, it all starts to run together. But yes, I think it was last week. Yes. All right. I, I, there was a young man named Alex. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to take note. You know, that's my name, too. <laughs> but he it was so precious. OK, folks, you know, we're, we're sharing um, biblical worldview, how to defend the Christian faith. But we're also talking about the gospel. And this young man apparently was on some, you know, ADD medicine. And he came up to me just very joyful. And he said, Mr. McFarlane, last night I started reading my Bible, and I looked down, and I had been reading my Bible for like almost 45 minutes. And, and I said, well, that's great. That's, that's awesome. He said, you don't understand. I've never read any book more than about five or ten minutes because I can't focus. He said, but I prayed, and I was reading my Bible, and he said, I wasn't even on my meds, and I read my Bible for 45 minutes. Now, this kid was, I'm going to say, 14 or 15. He was just moved with emotion. And I said, well, that, that's wonderful. He said, I just feel so different. And he said, for the first time in my life, I really feel like the Lord is really in my life. Now, that, that might not sound significant, folks, but this is, I would submit this is hugely significant. I mean, you got to understand, for, for young people today to read any book, but to read the Bible for 45 minutes. And he said, I can't even read, and I wasn't even on my meds, and I read the Bible, and I understood it. Dave, that's why we do what Amen. we do, isn't it? Well, Alex, I, I just, I wish there was a way that maybe I could wear like a GoPro or something, maybe a hidden camera. Or something. I, I want people to see what you and I are seeing. And because, Alex, Amen. I've got story after story after story about the same type of thing where youth are, 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 they're getting it. And when it clicks, you see this, this light in their eye that, that they didn't come walking in the door with. They have this, this hope and this, and this profound boldness 
and and that's why we do what we do. And and I I, I wish I could capture every single time I hear a student say, I've been to youth camps my whole life. You know, sometimes that means two years, and they say their whole life, and thinking, wow, you got a long life ahead of you. But uh, sometimes it's ten years that that they've been going to youth camp. And they say, man, this one is just different. It just hits different. And a lot of the reason for that, Alex, is because of the transparency that we have that, you know, none of us are up there trying to play church with these kids. We're, we're hitting them where it's, it's real. We're real people. We're not trying yeah. to put on a fake facade. We're dealing with real subject matter, and we're dealing with it in a real manner. And the kids, the kids see that. They can spot a fraud from a mile away. And when they come in and they see that, man, this is a real group of people who really care about me, who are bringing real truth and real evidences in a real way. And I know I've just said the word real about 25 times, <laughs> but that's the number one thing that I get from kids. Hey, well, hold that thought. We're going to go to some calls. We're going to go to North Carolina. Lewis in North Carolina. By the way, the number, folks, is 888-589-8840. Your calls and Bible questions. Uh, Lewis, do I have your name correct? Lewis, are you there? In North Carolina. Hello, hello. Going once, going twice. Okay, we're going to go to Angela in Arkansas. Angela, are you there? Yes. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for holding. You're our first call on Exploring the Word. Oh, awesome. Okay, I teach a teen Sunday school class. And Sunday, they asked me a question that I couldn't answer. They wanted to know where people went when they died before Jesus' death and resurrection. And I tried doing some research, and I got, like, different answers. And so I was hoping you all could help me out. Well, first of all, I want to commend you, Angela, for teaching a teen Sunday school. Uh, That's that's wonderful. And just... Keep on keeping on. Uh, we were in Iowa this week at our camp, and there's a. I met a lady last night, Dave, who for 22 years has been doing uh, really summer VBS for the children. And so I believe in longevity of your your calling. But Dave, um, I've got an answer on this. The the people that died before Jesus went to the cross, what happened? to people in the Old Testament times. Uh, I want to give it to you first, Dave. I've, I've got a response to this, but have you addressed this question? I have, yeah. There's actually something known as Abraham's bosom. And right. for the um, saints who died uh, prior to Jesus' um, uh, resurrection and ascension, they would go into that kind of a holding place called Abraham's bosom. And you can almost see the reference to it when um, Lazarus and the rich man and the rich man is saying, hey, can you please touch the water with your finger and touch my tongue? Because, and Lazarus said, there's a, there's a great chasm between us. I can see you. That was down in, Lazarus, or in um, Abraham's bosom. And when Jesus went down into Abraham's bosom to free those that were in there, to take them into now what we call paradise, which is where I believe people go now, like he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, he went down into Abraham's bosom, and he freed those who had who had died before him and took them up as um, as the first fruits of that of that place called paradise. So I'll, that's mm. my short answer to it. And Alex, I'll let you expound on that. 
Yeah, Angela, and, and by the way, folks, the number, if you've got a Bible question today, it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. L- let me be clear, the Old Testament era people, uh, those that are saved, are saved the same way that people are saved today, through faith. Now, faith in the Messiah that did come, that's what we believe. We believe in Jesus. He came and died on the cross, rose for our sins. They, Habakkuk 2, which was written about 500 years before the life of Christ, says that people were made right with God by faith. All right, they looked in faith to the Messiah that would one day come. We look back at the Messiah that did come. Same Jesus, same faith, just two different sides of the cross. And I, I agree with Dave Glander when he Dave referenced Luke 16, where uh, the rich man uh, died and was in torment. Now, prior to the resurrection, and one more scripture I've got to give you is Ephesians 4, 8, and 9. Prior to Christ's resurrection, in the realm of the dead, there were two, uh, if you will, compartments. Abraham's bosom, or paradise, for the believing dead, Jews and Gentiles. Because Isaiah 49 says that the Redeemer of Israel is the light to the Gentiles. So those that believed in, in God for their salvation would die and be in this paradise realm. Those that were rejecting, like the the rich man, that were in Hades, torment, hell. But it was all, as Ephesians 4, 7, and 8 said, 7, 8, 9, that Jesus, before he ascended up on high, he first, Ephesians 4, 9, descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. Now, what does that mean? Those believing saints that were in Abraham's bosom were taken to heaven, which uh, sometimes you'll read old books that'll talk about Jesus spoiled the grave. Not only did he himself rise from the dead, but the, the saints of old that were awaiting the resurrection, he took them to heaven. God bless you, Angela. Well, we're going to give uh, Lewis in North Carolina a try again. Uh, Lewis, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hey, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex and Dave. Dave, I don't know if you remember me from I'm the Potter's House Church here in Jacksonville. Absolutely. I thought I recognized your voice as soon as you started talking. How are you doing, my brother? Yeah, I just... Uh, I am doing good. You hug. I like your hugs. They're Jesus hugs. They're good hugs. <laughs> I am definitely a hugger. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. But listen, I just want to say that our kids just got back this past weekend for one of one of the events that y'all just put out there. And this is this is I think the second or third time for our kids every year. And not only that, yeah. but we do have once a year we have a meeting with you folks. And with our our young folks, and I just want to say, uh, testimony after testimony after testimonies with these young folks. They are Praise not God. afraid to go up to the altar, laying hands on adults and praying over them. And Amen. you've seen that happen. 
Yeah, yeah, but this is part of what this is. This is part of what this is. is. You know, the Bible vacation, the equip program, the the camps, and all that. You know, building the faith, building their 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 trust in God. You know, making them strong in the spirit. You know, so they can show the world, hey, I ain't walking with Jesus. There's no shame in being this age. You know. Amen. So so again, it's just you are hitting it right on the head. I, Lewis, God bless you. God bless folks. you. Be, because th- this is so important, and Dave, I, I want you to to piggyback on this. But folks, you got to understand. I mean, we're, we're not just talking to kids about you know singing "Kumbaya" around the fire, uh, and you know Jesus loves me, this I know. Although that is obviously the message, but we're teaching kids because look, when if they get through high school, go to college. They're going to be in a militant environment of people that hate God, hate morals, LGBTQ, transgender, Marxism, socialism. We have got to equip a generation to stand for God and country. And I want to say this, and Dave, I'm going to throw it to you. We talk to kids about prayer. We talk to kids about spiritual warfare. We talk to kids about the authority they have as a believer in Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said that he had all authority. And in the Greek, the word is literally jurisdiction. And he imparts that to the church. And Dave, I I know this might sound like heavy stuff, but we, we talk to kids about the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus, every day you get up, you're living in victory. You're walking in the supernatural. Prayers do change things. The Spirit of the Lord indwells us. Uh, we're helping kids learn how to be disciples, aren't we? Well, you know, one of the things that we intentionally do adequate is before meals, sometimes before messages, after messages, I'll say who's going to pray. And, and I'm calling the kids out to be bold in their prayer life because I don't want to be the only one praying. Alex, I don't, no offense, but I don't want you to be the only one praying. I want to hear these kids. I want to, and sometimes I'll have these kids who are so shy that they're like, I don't know how. And I'll say, here, I'll walk you through it. And I'll put my arm around them right there in front of everybody. And I'll say, Jesus, we love you. We, we honor you. Please bless this food. I'll like, I'll walk them through just a normal prayer. And I'll tell them it's not, there's not a magic prayer here. You're, you're just simply talking to Christ. And then the other thing that we did this year was we gave them all um, dog tags that had a quick retreat gospel soldier written on them yeah. And, and, yeah. and other things that were written on them. But I challenged them. I said, look, you're a part of God's army. This isn't, this isn't just a game. It's not the Mickey Mouse Club. This is, this, there's a, really, a real spiritual battle going on out there, and you've been recruited to the army of God to go and help us fight that battle. And so we, we train them. How do you share the gospel? By giving them gospel bracelets from uh, Threads of Hope from the Philippines village that, that, that makes these things. And we give them the tools and the equipment to go forth. And what Lewis is verifying everything that you and I are saying, that this isn't the camp that ends when they get home after three days and they get the whole, you know, Jesus high. And Lewis is verifying exactly what we're shooting for. So thank you, Lewis, for doing that, because he's saying, look, these kids come back changed. And it's not just a temporary change. It's, it's a permanent. He also touched, Alex, on the quip rallies that we're doing during the year. Oh, yeah. That we'll come out to your church and we'll do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. So that way we can keep in touch with your kids and keep that discipleship going. And, and we teach them how to start clubs in their schools. We provide them with content. We call these clubs Viral Truth 
Spiral Truth Clubs. Okay, uh, right now we're going to go to Ron in Louisiana. Ron, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network and Exploring the Word. Hey, thanks. Uh, I got a question. Uh, I was at Bible study last night, and we was reading John 20, uh, 21 and 22, and uh, 23. And I was just, I, I had always thought that the first people to actually receive the Holy Spirit was at Pentecost, but I believe this was like the day after the resurrection this happened, where he said, um, Peace to you, and the Father who sent me off to you. And then he had breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, so I was just, I was, I guess I've been learning, uh, speaking that wrong or teaching that wrong. Um, and and then the more I read about it, I, I think I understood that what happened at Pentecost was it gave them emboldened power. Could you yeah. uh, enlighten me on that? Yeah. Well, do you know, let me just say this, the Holy Spirit of God has been operative in the lives of people really throughout history. And whenever someone is convicted of sin and aware of their need for salvation and drawn to God, Holy Spirit has many, many uh, ministries in the lives of people. Now, really, in a way, let me just say this, there are some things about Christ's resurrection that were very pictorial of things God was going to do. Now, like Matthew 27, 51 through 54, it says that some of the saints arose and were seen in Jerusalem. Well, that was very pictorial of the, the ultimate resurrection. But I think the John 20, uh, 22, when Jesus at the empty tomb breathed on the women and those there and said, receive the Holy Ghost, that was a little snapshot of the Pentecost that would come. Stay tuned. We're going to do more questions after this brief break. Back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. The number, if you've got a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 if you've got a Bible question. With me on the phone is Dave Glander. Now, Dave and I have been in Iowa all this week. We've been at our summer camp. We're doing, it's called Equip, and the website is Equip retreat.org. Next week we'll be in um, my home state of North Carolina and then later in um, New Jersey. And uh, folks, I don't know if you know all these names, Dave Glander, Carl Kirby, I'm going to be there. Uh, We've got uh, music, we've got Alyssa and Mark, they're amazing. Frank Figueroa. Hey, uh, Dave, is Frank going to be at North North Carolina or New Jersey? I think he's at both, Alex. I think he's at so, both. Let me just say this. Over the years, I've heard my share of great speakers, especially on the subject of creation versus evolution. And, I mean, I've booked Ken Ham. We love him. Uh, I've booked Terry Mortensen, a lot of great speakers. Frank Figueroa, I think he was, was he originally from Hawaii, David? 
He he is he will always be from Hawaii. <laughs> he, will, he will never right. get that out of him. <laughs> yeah, but he gave probably the best creation versus evolution talk I've ever ever heard, and the kids just eat it up. And folks, there there's still time. We've done five camps this summer. Uh, we've had dozens and dozens and dozens of kids saved. We had uh, the one I did in Colorado had 25 kids born again. Kids that are saying, wow, I'm, I'm reading my Bible now. Wow, when I get back to school, I'm going to share Jesus with my friends at school. Kids that are praying for, they say, I want my school to be a drug-free campus. And let me now, just say this. for a second? Yeah. Can I, can, I, can I chime in on that? Here's what I get from the kids about the school thing. When yeah. I went back to school, the hallways and the teachers looked different to me. And they're not Amen. going in arguing because you and I tell them, don't go in and argue, but I need to chime in and tell you while you're talking about schools. I've heard that dozens and dozens of times. My eyes were so wide open after going to equip during the summer that my school hallways felt different. And that has always just been a, a rock that I lean on when, I, when, I'm, when I'm doing this. Okay, we're going to go to the calls. So uh, Jonathan in Texas, Kevin in North Carolina, hang on. I've got to play something. I don't know if you can hear this, but I'll translate. Now, Now, listen, folks, this is what we're doing in summer camp. Now, just listen to this. Whoops. Come on, play. One last try. Now, I don't know if you could hear that. But that's teenagers chanting, we are the generation who will restore America. And we talked to them about being salt and light. Um, you know, uh, I've got to believe that some of the, the liberals out there, they're, they probably would, you know, have, have a, a brain aneurysm to know that we've got 100 kids chanting, we are the generation that will restore America. But that's the vision we're setting before them, and the kids are receiving it. Jonathan in Texas. Jonathan, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Thank you. I really appreciate the ministry you guys have. My question today is, if God is love, um, how can he hate Esau? Great question. Great question. Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. That's how it reads in the, in the English translations. Let me just say, let, let's remember the big picture of what God was doing in the Old Testament. Dave, let me comment on this, and I want you to join in. Um, okay, God called forth Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, and said, you know, wherever your foot treads, I'm going to give you this land. Your descendants are going to outnumber the stars of the heavens, and Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed because through the nation of Israel, through the line of Abraham, God would send his son to be the Messiah. Now, that, that's the big picture. And when you read in Romans 9, 13, um, the word of God says, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Now, on the one hand, if you look at the big context of all the scriptures, um, you know, God so loved the world. God loves all people. But I think what it's talking about is, um, for one thing, here scholars have like two mindsets on this. The Edomites that, that really came from the line of Esau, and they were enemies of the Jewish people. 
And so it's like, in a way, he was saying, look, these descendants of Esau that have fought against Israel and would have, if God had not intervened, uh, they would have obstructed the coming of the Messiah. So to the degree that God was fighting the descendants of Esau to preserve the descendants of Jacob so that the Messiah could be born, God's interaction with the Edomites was hatred compared to the love he showed to preserve the children of Rebekah, Jacob, so that Jesus would come. Now, one last thought, and Dave, I'm going to throw it to you. By the way, the number, folks, if you've got a Bible question, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Here's the thing. You read the Old Testament, and God says, kill the Canaanites, kill the Philistines. I hate the descendants of Esau, the Edomites. All right. Here's the two words that are going to make everything clear. Sometimes God blessed, sometimes God judged. Sometimes God favored people, sometimes God acted so as to see people killed. Why? He had, here's the two words, he had a morally sufficient reason for doing this because he was trying to preserve Israel through whom our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would be born. So whenever we read these Old Testament passages that sound like God was pretty harsh, remember the greater good. He was trying to ensure that humanity would have a Savior. So whatever God did, he had a morally sufficient reason for doing it. David, do you have any comment on this? You know, I I think it's one of those, um, we we have a lot of Christian sayings like, you know, Love to sin, hate the love, love to sin, love the sinner, hate. You better the sin. flip that over, David. And, <laughs> um, we, you know, that is nowhere in Scripture that it says that, and so we get these misconceptions about um, how God reacts to certain things. And while John three sixteen says God so loved the world, like that's everyone that's in there. There's also a point in time when when God detests those who turn from Him that that are evildoers, and and I'm reminded of Psalm 5, verses 4 through uh, 6, and it says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies, the Lord of horrors, the bloodthirsty, and the deceitful man. So there are times that um, while God does love everyone, when they choose to walk outside of him and literally um, go completely against anything he says, there's a point in time where God does develop a a hate for that, a detest for that, and um, mm-hmm. and I and I and I don't think He enjoys that that aspect of having to do that. But look, in a, in the human terms, you know, I have loved some people in my life that ended up stabbing me in the back really, really bad. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I still love them, and I do because I I love everybody. The Bible says He has been forgiven much, loved much, and listen, I've had to be forgiven a lot of stuff. But I don't like them. There's a difference between love and like. And, and right. while I do love them, and if they needed something, I would, I would, I would go out of my way to help them. If their house was on fire, I would jump in to rescue them. But after I got done rescuing them, I'd walk away and never call them again because I don't like them. And so there's a there's, we need to put into terms like what does it mean when God says He hates? But we also have a Bible that says there are times when God hates. 
Yeah. We're going to go to Kevin in North Carolina. Kevin, thanks for holding. You're on Exploring the Word. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Alex. Um, okay, so when Satan was cast down to the earth, my question is, when did that occur in the timeline of, of the narrative? Okay. Dave, you want to start on that? Well, that's a, that's a good one. Well, you know, I've heard many different versions of this, and I think my favorite version of it, uh, because I don't, I don't know that, and Alex, if, if I'm wrong, please correct me, I don't know that Scripture is going to give us the exact time, but here, here's where I land on this. During the six days of creation, God said it was good, it was very good. So I don't think that it was during the times of, of the days of creation, because I don't think if Satan was thrown to the earth during those six days that God would have said it was good, it was very good. Um, could it have been on the seventh day when God rested? Could it have been on the eighth? We know it was shortly after because he was in the garden to tempt um, Adam and Eve to, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I would say it was definitely sometime after the six days of creation, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in uh, Luke, let's see, was it Luke ten eighteen where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And in Isaiah 14, 12, and, and Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament, I think, is a reference to the fall of Lucifer. It said he was cast down from heaven. So it was sometime, I believe, prior to Adam and Eve being put in the Garden of Eden, because, um, you know, like you say, God looked over all of his creation and said, it is good, very good. So sometime either during the creation or during the, the day of rest, but before Adam and Eve, because here's, folks, you, you might boil all of history down to this. Satan was cast out of heaven. He, a third of the angels fell with him. They're now demons. Uh, Satan uh, conned one-third of the angels into joining, joining him in a failed overthrow of heaven. But here's the thing. Satan could not kill God. So he's tried to harm those made in God's image, human beings. And all the sadness, the heartbreak, the tears, the violence, the murder, all of the evil of history has been due. Satan caused man to sin, but praise God, he sent his son to be our savior to rescue us from that sin. We're going to go to Daryl. Daryl in yes. South Carolina, I believe it is. Daryl, are you there? Yes, how you doing? Good. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Daryl. Yes. Uh, all right, how y'all doing? Uh, Alex, I called y'all several times before. I always listen to y'all. Well, I thank wanted you. to ask a question. I wanted to ask a question, and then I'm going to hang up and just listen. Um, cremation, is it all right for a person to be cremated if they're a Christian? And Great question, and let, let me weigh in on this, and Dave, you feel free to disagree or, or agree, and, and I want to be very clear, for church history, the, the vast majority of church history, funerals and burials have been what you might think the traditional, you know, a, a casket and uh, buried, that's called interment, and as a pastor, I've done a whole lot of funerals, Dave, I know you probably have too. But really, I'm, I honestly believe, and I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, that this is really a matter of Christian uh, conscience. The Bible doesn't specify a mode of burial that a Christian has to do, because whenever Jesus says, arise, 
you know, whether you were buried the traditional way or whether you were cremated or like, there, there was a, a bad explosion in my hometown many years ago at a brick factory, and there were about half a dozen men working, and I mean, they were just gone. They were like vaporized, and they never found any remains whatsoever. And yet I know when that trumpet sounds, God is able, it says, to from the four winds he can gather his elect. So I know nowadays for economic reasons and for various decisions, people opt for cremation, Christian families. And Dave, I, I really think while traditional burial has been the majority, the norm, I really think it's a matter of Christian liberty, but but you feel free to agree or disagree, David. No, I would I would agree with you. I mean, I think even in in the ancient Jewish times and and elsewhere, you know, you'd put the 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 body in there, and the bones would the, the flesh would come off the body. You put the bones in the ossuary, and all it is is some bones. There's there's nothing left to it. And Ezekiel was said, "Can these dry bones live?" And I don't necessarily see the difference in bones or or dust. I mean, we. If he could create Adam from the from the dust of the ground, I'm sure he can resurrect a, um, a a person who's been cremated and turned into dust. So I think it's just a matter of family choice. I don't I don't think the Bible necessarily addresses it or doesn't condone or doesn't exactly. you know support it. I I think it's just a matter of family choice. As for me, I don't I don't want to take up any more space after I'm here and we're broke. So I think cremation's gonna be the easiest way for my family to deal with with my remains, and I have no problem with that. Uh, we're going to go, and we're going to have to be very quick. John, uh, John, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Uh, yes. Hello there, fellas. It's uh, enjoyable listening to you. Uh, just a quick comment on uh, Esau and Jacob. Uh, that's a question that when folks are reading the scriptures, it unglues a lot of them. Um, Esau, I've hated. Jacob, I've loved. But when you take the old and new uh, scriptures together, you see the heart of God is love. And you see that uh, from, from the beginning of Genesis, uh, clear through to the end of Revelation. Uh, when you... Uh, oh, well, John, please call tomorrow. We're just about out of time. John, I'm so sorry. But folks, we're, we're going to do a great show tomorrow. We're going to do a great show Friday. I've got a bunch of questions, including... Matthew 19.12, does that support transgenderism? Somebody email that in. I say no, it doesn't, but I'm going to elaborate more uh, Thursday and Friday. Dave Glander, do good at the camp. Thanks for being with us, and we're praying for you. God bless you, Alex. God bless you. Folks, keep your radio tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Lots of great programming. I'll be on the Hamilton Corner tomorrow night also as well. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about AFR, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.